Jonathan Ford, creative partner at Pearl Fisher, speaks to the challenger and iconic brand owners who have used creativity to dare to be different, who have addressed their fears and taken the risks that have enabled them to reap the benefits of success. So uh, today we're um, continuing our discussions with uh, icon and challenger brands. And in the Pearl Fisher studio, I have Brendan Harris, who is the chairman and CEO of Frouche, which is a smoothie brand in Scandinavia, which is making a big impact. It's available in all the Nordic countries and is the number one smoothie brand for that region. Frouche holds a big award for the best fruit smoothie in Scandinavia, and it was uh, voted for by a panel of Michelin-starred chefs, so it says something about the quality of the product and the experience. Interestingly, Frouche is part of Unilever Ventures, which is the European venture capital arm of Unilever, and uh, Unilever Ventures invests in early-stage companies to uh, see how it can strategically um, be relevant to Unilever and benefit from the bigger kind of corporate assets. So prior to his time at Frouche, uh, Brendan was with Coca-Cola for 10 years, and most recently being the president for the Coca-Cola Italy division. And so he comes with a big pedigree and ideal experience to take into a smaller dynamic challenger brand. And uh, knowing that he's a very keen footballer, I know he's definitely out there to compete with the big boys. So we are here today uh, to talk about Frouche. Uh, once a tiny smoothie brand uh, that is now making a big impact both in terms of identity, design and market share. So uh, Brendan, um, welcome to Pearlfisher. Thanks Jonathan. So at Pearlfisher, uh, we've been looking at uh, for some time the, uh, the future of the healthy brand sector and how brand communication in this area has shifted both visually and verbally. When we uh, began our conversation with you, you came to us with a, with a very interesting brief that uh, caught our attention and uh, it was summarized with three words, fucking brilliant smoothies. And we were interested in the thinking that got you to that brief in amongst all this change in the healthy food and brand uh, sector. Was it simply that you were out there for attitude for attitude's sake? Or were you aware of a new language that healthy brands were communicating and, uh, and, and that you wanted to be part of that? I think the um, starting point for that was the recognition that so many health and wellness brands in Europe, whether it's snack foods or beverages or other categories, had got themselves into a rut. There was kind of a default brand positioning, which was a if you were to be uh, made into a person, it would be a hippie with sandals and long hair and a goatee beard and uh, proclaiming a message of peace, a kind of Woodstock generation uh, brand positioning. Uh, so many brands across Europe, when you, when you look at the health and wellness sector, seem to fall into that same positioning with one form or another of that same positioning. It's almost as if the brand managers are, are cloned uh, all over Europe and they fall into this positioning. Uh, when we talked to consumers in the Nordic countries, and we did quite a lot of research uh, at the beginning when we acquired this uh, business, what we discovered was that uh, consumers don't respond to that language. Maybe they did once, 10, 15 years ago, but the world has moved on. And as a matter of fact, um, young consumers particularly, when I say young, I mean, let's say 20 to 35-year-old young adults, um, see healthy eating as a necessity for themselves 
but they don't want to be lectured about their food habits. And this is a really important point, I think, that we need to recognize as brands in this sector. Uh, instead, what happens is that consumers have uh, a debits and credits mentality with food. They understand that they do need to eat healthy stuff, fruits, vegetables, and so on. But at the same time, they're not willing to give up on all those indulgences in life because they think life is short and it should be lived to the full. So you have this um, notion where someone will go out, let's say at lunchtime, and have something really healthy for lunch, a, a salad and a glass of water. And they'll feel so virtuous in the afternoon that they'll have a chocolate bar with their afternoon coffee. Mm -hmm. And you have this debits and credits mentality, which I'm sure Jonathan's the same for you, when you go out binging and drink beer and you have pizza with your friends, the next morning you have a detox breakfast because you feel you have to kind of balance things up. I may have been somewhere like that in the past, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I think what we tried to do was capture this notion that we don't want to lecture consumers. We don't want to tell them that they need to live their lives this way or that way. What we wanted to do was try to fit in with the way that consumers think about lives, their lives themselves. And I think um, this notion that you can combine fantastic, high-quality, healthy beverages and snacks with an attitude to life that is cheeky and funny and mischievous might have sounded 10 or 15 years ago as if you were smoking something for something very powerful, that those two things couldn't fit together, that they would somehow fight with each other. But you look at the way some brands in this sector, and I, I take Jamie Oliver as a fantastic example. If you forget Jamie as an individual, look at the Jamie Oliver brand. It does combine a passion for excellence and great quality with a cheeky, funny personality that also makes people think and makes them smile and provokes them and so on. And so when we came to you and said, um, listen, guys, there's only three things you need to know about the brand positioning of Fruish. It's fucking brilliant smoothies. It really is about that. It's about saying, let's be in touch with our young consumers. Let's talk the language that they talk. Let's understand that life is short, live it to the full. On the other hand, let's also make sure we have really good, uh, healthy premium products that if you're not already drinking one every day, you probably should be. So... On that point, when uh, when we got that brief and we, we looked at it, um, I suppose there was a, a, um, a an immediate reaction with maybe a, a sense of cynicism. You know, an agency listening to a kind of a client coming in with probably what could have been seen as potentially a pretentious brief. But as we kind of got to understand it all, um, it became clear that this is where you were coming from, and so we were able to then embark on a um, on, on a design that matched the kind of the attitude that, that went with the with the with the kind of the the essence that you were presenting to us but of course um, it was about a radical redesign um, this is what we were talking about and uh, what was what were the kind of the, uh, the the factors in making you want to radically redesign what was essentially a brand that had been in the market for some time. There were kind of products that there were there already. What was the kind of the, the driving force for such a radical representation of the brand? Yeah, I think there were two things actually. One is that when we acquired the business um, at the end of 2008, uh, the branding was disastrous. I mean, we, there was no option to stay with the graphic brand identity that the pre our predecessors in the business had produced. Um, so we had an imperative, we had a burning platform, we had to make a change. And secondly, we looked at uh, what else was going on around the world, in the world our particular category is uh, fruit smoothies. 
uh, there's a sameness about almost all the brands in the market, which was um, there's a label with some pictures of cut fruit on the front and a trademark over the top. And everyone really had, had found different ways of uh, producing that same graphic brand identity over and over again. And I think in marketing, you obviously have to be different, special and better. And if you're going to make a big change, you need to make sure you stand out from the competition. And the design that your team came up with for us was groundbreaking. There are no pictures of fruit on our label. Um, it is a very thought-provoking and provocative design. It gets talked about on social media. Uh, we get a, a lot of uh, mail, uh, emails uh, almost every day from consumers who are provoked and interested by the things that we put on our labels. And it's given us a chance to have a dialogue with consumers that I don't think we could have had if we'd done the same thing that everybody else does and just put pictures of fruit on the front. And as I recall it, um, the actual term smoothie was a, um, a functional term that was had confusion around it in the uh, Scandinavian market, which is where you predominantly operate. Um, so that was, I think, a functional part of the brief as well, which was to force a recognition of what the product was. Indeed, because in fact, we think of smoothies in the UK as being pure 100% fruit products. In fact, in Scandinavia, many people make smoothies at home and they make them with yogurt. So when you say smoothie, you're talking about essentially a dairy product. Dairy means, it means fat, it means calories, and it's uh, contrary to everything that we stand for. So we, we, uh, we thought long and hard about whether to use the word smoothie on the label, because in some ways it's toxic for the communication of the brand. And that's why we, um, asked you to come up with a design that didn't use that on the label and it's caused uh, again in, in the consumer marketplace I think it's helped us significantly because we're not positioning ourselves the same way that everybody else is in the marketplace. So cast your mind back to uh, when uh, you'd briefed us we've got the uh, you know this very punchy attitudinal brief from you um, we are now taking away um, the communication of the, the market convention of smoothie, albeit it's misunderstood in the market. And, um, and we are being briefed with a, uh, an opportunity to come back with really something that is quite groundbreaking. How did you personally feel about that at that stage, having been president of Coca-Cola Italy you know, for 10 years and seeing the way things were done? Was it a cathartic experience for you to both brief an agency like that and then uh, respond to when the work was presented to you? I think it's, uh, it would not have been possible to produce work like this um, inside a large corporation like Coca-Cola. Um, I think this is, this is the type of work that only gets done when a very small number of people are involved. Um, and as it, as it was, we had you, the agency, we had uh, my team, the management team, and we had our colleagues from Unilever Ventures. We had a very short line of people that, that had their input into it. Um, we asked you to be brave, we asked you to be adventurous. Um, and when the designs came back, we were delighted with it because it genuinely was different. It was work that we felt would make a big difference for us in the marketplace. We could see that um, just looking at it, the cues that, that the graphic brand, new graphic brand identity was likely to um, pick up on in the consumer marketplace, I think were, were very positive for us. Um, I wasn't in the least bit 
concerned about making such a radical change. Um, I wanted to make sure that we were true to the brief. And I think, in fact, the designs you came back with are absolutely true to the brief. But beyond that, I think we just have to um, put aside all of our fears about uh, is this going to work, is it not going to work, and do the right thing for the brand. If we've decided what the brand essence is, and we've got a design that fits with the brand essence, then I think the rest will look after itself. And um, for the benefit of the, the, the people that are listening, can you t talk about your perspective on research um, for Frouche um, and the, 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 the reasons to go with or without research? Yeah, we, we, we did some research, but I'm, uh, I do think that research is about getting clues and not answers. And I think if, if any marketer is out there looking to focus groups or other types of research in order to uh, figure out what decisions to make, then I think they're making a mistake. Because consumers in research say things they don't mean, they follow the crowd, they uh, say things that they regret later on, they change their minds. Um, using research, I think it does need to be used very, very carefully. We used some in the process of uh, putting this graphic brand identity together. But mainly it was about the conversation with consumers first, before we sat down with you um, to give you the brief, so that we understood what the consumer uh, mindset was in the Nordic countries. Uh, but after the, the design had been produced, then we felt very comfortable with it and, and it went ahead essentially without any further research. That, by the way, is very different from a large corporation where you can I'm sure you have many clients in larger companies that uh, put everything through endless focus groups before it can be approved, and that's something we didn't do at all. And, well, talking of that, the, the relationship uh, between uh, Frouche and Unilever is, is interesting because you are a part of um, Unilever Ventures, which, as I've already mentioned, uh, looks to invest in early stage companies and uh, that could maybe have an impact on, I suppose, Unilever in, in the, the bigger sense later on in life as, the, as they develop. Did, is the Unilever Ventures mindset um, as um, supportive and encouraging to take the kind of risks and uh, make the kind of changes that you personally took? Are they, is that in their attitude towards all the brands that they're investing in? Yeah, and I'd say actually that they are um, a very good principal owner of the company because in the venture capital and private equity world, uh, which I've been working in since I uh, left the Coca-Cola company, um, I have found that there's a, a spectrum. And on one end, there are firms that micromanage their management teams. And at the other end, there are firms that stand back and let the management teams do more or less what they want. And Unilever Ventures is very much towards the latter. They are heavily involved in the business. They um, act as a very strong support for the management team of Frisch. But they also respect the, uh, the right of the management team to make decisions for the business. And I think that's such an important thing for us in the management team at Frisch that we know we have the support of our venture capital uh, owner, but at the same time, we are authorized to make um, decisions. And of course, that means we have to live with our mistakes as well. <laughs> um, Unilever Ventures model, I think, works particularly well because they are staffed with a mixture of corporate finance professionals and people from the Unilever organization who've been in marketing mainly and, and other functions within Unilever. So we're able to draw on them for um, help, advice, um, input, insights into the work that we're doing 
in a way that probably wouldn't be possible with a pure uh, venture capital firm that, that had no uh, operational people inside it. So talking about the Unilever Venture model, um, do you think it's a good template that actually, well, I think you've kind of acknowledged it, it brings innovation to, to Unilever? Stop, I'm going to say that again. Okay, got that, John. <laughs> Put that down as a mark. Okay, start again. So talking about the Unilever Ventures model, um, you obviously think it's a good template that brings innovation to uh, Unilever and to the market generally. Do you think that's something which other organizations could benefit from? Yeah, and I, obviously I can't speak for uh, Unilever as I'm not a Unilever employee, but I think what Unilever Ventures does is it creates a, a laboratory inside the Unilever family, if I can put it that way where new ideas and big ideas can be nurtured and grown in an environment that's outside of the corporate environment. So uh, I think one of the benefits that, that Unilever gains from Unilever Ventures is having this little laboratory cooking away uh, with all sorts of ideas. We're one of, um, I think, approximately 20 companies in the portfolio. Um, and of course, there are going to be inside those 20 companies, all of which are early stage businesses, there are going to be some very good ideas that make it big, some of which I assume could also find their way into part of the mainstream Unilever portfolio. Um, of course, Unilever Ventures is a venture capital firm. Their primary objective is to make a return on the fund that they manage. Um, but at the same time, there is, of course, this angle, which is, are there going to be some ideas out there that Unilever Ventures can nurture um, and grow, which will then become big ideas for uh, the Unilever organization? So in a way, um, both you and I having worked for and with um, you know, much bigger corporations than, and companies than, say, Frouche, um, and we see some of the kind of the, the roadblocks to um, creative expression of brand or creative innovation, this is a, a perfect way for, um, I suppose, really to foster challenger brand thinking that um, will benefit in the long term, potentially a much bigger entity. Yeah, indeed. And in fact, I think that uh, many uh, listed companies, most of the large corporations in the consumer brand world are listed companies, um, are affected significantly by the 13-week cycle of updates to the analysts. Um, and it does put a lot of pressure internally within the business to make sure that that 13-week cycle is, is doing its job for the share price. And that can generate some, unfortunately, some short-termism uh, in businesses that isn't there in the venture capital and private equity model. I think what's, what's so appealing to uh, those of us that have come out of the big corporate world uh, into the world of uh, venture capital and private equity is that in a world where you are not subject to those the, the regular updates to analysts and you're not subject to the scrutiny of the public markets, you do have the ability to, provided of course you can persuade your venture capital owner that you're doing the right thing, you get the opportunity to put together a, a genuine three to five year plan to turn the business around, recognizing that there are going to be inside of that some quite big changes that are going to occur. And as long as you have the full support of your uh, primary funder, you get the license to go and do that uh, for three to five years and make a really big difference to a brand. And I think Fruish is a great... Case in point, I think it would be it would be difficult to do this kind of work 
um, if it were subjected to constant external scrutiny. Uh, it isn't. You know, we, we're very lucky to operate in a world where as long as I can convince the investment committee of Unilever Ventures that we're doing the right thing, we, we get a long runway to uh, make some quite big changes, live with our mistakes, of course, but also reap the rewards. And of course, by making mistakes, that's where a lot of the progress can actually come from, uh, yeah, ironically, and, and having permission to make those mistakes and, as you say, live with them. Um, are, is there any anecdotal um, reactions that you can give us from uh, the bigger Unilever Corporation, which I know you don't work for, but, uh, but that you know uh, demonstrates the effect that Fruch has had within that bigger organization already? Oh, indeed. In fact, uh, we are distributing Fruch in both Sweden and Denmark on uh, the trucks that Unilever has all over both of those two countries that deliver their ice cream brands. As you probably know, they are the largest ice cream um, manufacturer in Europe. Um, people in the UK will know the Walls brand, but the Walls brand exists in almost every country in Europe, uh, generally under a different brand name, but with the same trademark. It turns out that everywhere you can sell an ice cream, you can sell a fruch. It also turns out that those frozen trucks that deliver frozen ice cream have an ambient compartment where you can put other things and so there's a marriage made in heaven, uh, and we have a very successful partnership. Uh, it's been going quite some time now in Sweden, almost a uh, year and a half, I think, with Unilever's um, Swedish subsidiary. Um, and the business, I think, is doing very well, both for Unilever and for uh, Frusch. So we've had many meetings with our, I guess you would call them cousins in Unilever Sweden. Um, we're not quite sister company from them. Um, and I think they, what they're able to see is that here is a, if I can call it a Unilever family company, for want of a better term, has come up with a really nice idea, executed it well, and it fits well inside what they're doing with their, with their ice cream business. Um, and I have to say, I think that relationship works, works really well. Great. That's, 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 that's good. It's great to hear. Um, coming back to Fruch and the brand identity that, that we created for you. Um, People that have seen it will know that, uh, the, as you briefed us originally, um, to change the, the rules of the market, that's something that we did. There is uh, completely uh, no representations of fruit on the label. It's, it's heavily um, statement-driven. Um, they kind of almost have a propaganda kind of feel about the statements that are supporting a, a healthy lifestyle in a very creative and um, and um, attitudinal kind of way and of course um, the reference to smoothie is gone it's about fruch and uh, fruit bottled and there's so many other things about the brand which are interesting you have strong ethics you have a strong stance on the actual packaging substrate using glass not uh, not not plastic and uh, you care deeply about kind of um, the uh, you know where the fruit comes from, the benefit it brings to some of the developing countries that are, that, that that supply you with the fruit. There is there's actually a huge amount of messages. Uh, how do you kind of uh, deal with uh, this huge variety of messages? What's your view in terms of the of the way to prioritize those? Well, we see it as a I, uh, if you can put it this way as a three legged stool. There's a first of all, absolutely the best quality product on the market, and as you quite rightly said earlier on, we are the current holders of the most prestigious food award in Scandinavia for best fruit smoothie. Beating, by the way, well-known brands like Innocent and so on. Uh, secondly, we have our 
cheeky, funny personality, which I think our graphic brand identity really brings to life. And thirdly, we have a heart of gold. And as you talked about uh, just now, it's a very important part of the mission of the company to uh, look at where we buy our fruits from. About half of all the fruits inside a bottle of fruit come from developing countries. Mangoes, pineapples, bananas, these aren't things that we can grow in Europe because Europe's too cold. Um, so there's a big idea here, which is that as we, all of us, buy fruits like this, whether we buy them whole in a supermarket or buy them in the form that you, you get in a fruit, we are actually trading with developing countries. Not only, by the way, with developing countries, but with the rural areas of developing countries where these farms are. Before I um, took over as division president for Coca-Cola in Italy, I was lucky enough to be the president of Coca-Cola's Africa division based in Nairobi, and I served a total of six years in um, Africa and got to know the continent pretty well. And I do think that one of the, one of the uh, overlooked elements of our uh, dealings with the developing world is trade. We ought to be trading more with the developing world. It is something that we, uh, I think, have completely overlooked in our rush to, to flood the developing world with aid funds and, and loan cancellation and all sorts of other things. But actually, the, the developing world is open for business. And when I think of an African, I don't think of those images on CNN of starving children and so on. I think of a guy with a, a BMW and a satellite dish on his roof and smartly dressed and very articulate and very intelligent, and he is open for business. I think we should look to uh, expand our trade with the developing world. Trade, of course, will lift people out of poverty. It will do far more for the reconstruction of war-torn areas than anything else we can do with aid. And so we, in our little, our own little way in the, in the fruit business, we are pushing this message very heavily. Let's do business with the developing world. Let's think about trade. And here we are buying mangoes, pineapples, bananas, and coconuts from the developing world. And we've chosen to bring that to life by sending uh, small groups, usually three or four at a time, of young consumers from Sweden, Finland, Denmark, Norway, to go and work for one week on a fruit farm somewhere in the world. We've got a group actually just came back from India, from Ratnagiri in, in Maharashtra. And they tell their story as journalists on Facebook and Twitter and through video blogs to their hundreds and hundreds of friends of the benefits of, we call it the power of fruit, the power of fruit to change uh, people's lives in the developing world. So it's a big piece of our, of our mission. Um, and I think balanced with the other two, having absolutely the best quality product and also having our cheeky, funny personality, I think we're, we're able to, to keep all of those, as you've said, many, many different uh, aspects and angles of the brand really into check because it's just those three things for us. Fantastic. And it's been in the market now under the new brand identity for, um, I, I think, a couple of years now. And of course, we were able to measure the, the effect that uh, mm -hmm. the redesign had. And uh, of course, that uh, resulted in the recent design effectiveness success, which demonstrates where a design has made an impact. And um, I think probably in a way you've probably answered that question, the being which is you know, what, what now draws people to that brand. I imagine it's a combination of all of those three elements all working to win the hearts and minds of people over. Yeah, it is. And of course, we, we live in a different world today in terms of um, marketing communication. We've never done any above the line. Um, marketing at all in fruit, nothing in three and a half years. Um, and of course, we live in a world now with um, social media, particularly, where 
consumers are having a conversation amongst themselves. Uh, it's very different from the world when I started as a young marketer all those years ago, where you made ads which talked to a consumer and the consumer either got the message or they didn't get the message. In the world we're in today, much more powerful is that the, the internet and social media has turbocharged word of mouth, personal recommendation from a friend. But the question that we have to ask as, as marketers is, how are we going to be in that conversation that consumers are having? Now, of course, if we're, if we're all we're doing is, is throwing our uh, message in there through paid bloggers, it'll get found out because it's, it's so transparent and, of course, consumers see through it. I think the point about it is to be the company that you, that you want to be, to make sure that you model your brand and your, your corporate ethics around um, something that you feel proud of, and then let consumers discover it on their own. And I think what our graphic brand identity has done, uh, because the labels are very thought-provoking and, and some, some of them quite shocking, is it does get attention. And it gets consumers to find out a little bit more about us as a business, more about us as a, a brand. And in that process of discovery, and most of this is happening without us even seeing it because it's happening as people are talking to each other on Facebook and other social media sites, um, that's the, the benefit for us. That's what's driving the brand forward. That's what's getting the brand more uh, closely uh, connected with the consumers that we need to talk to. Fantastic. And there are so many facts and figures around the uh, success of uh, Frouche um, over, over the last couple of years since the rebrand and, mm -hmm. and the, the builds that you've been doing on that. But um, you are the number one uh, smoothie brand in the Nordic region. And I think that is a, that, that's a great um, a great. Uh, place to be and of course we you know we wish that you uh, stay there for as long as possible and go potentially beyond uh, those markets I'm sure you've got plans um, the last question I have for you today is because it's uh, a brand which has caught the attention of uh, many people um, I know that from the conversations I have with clients and and designers and uh, and you know people in the world of communications mm -hmm. is about advice that you personally would like to give to people that are um, going through the process of change or about to process it, what's, do you have any personal views that you would like to impart? Well, I think the, um, the idea that we can make really big changes to a brand um, can be quite frightening. You can lie awake at night worrying whether this is really the right thing to do and are you about to fry your otherwise successful career with this, uh, this step that you're taking. Um, and I would say that the, the best thing to do is be really sure about the consumer marketplace that you are operating in. Do, the, do your homework first before you sit down with the design agency and understand the market that you're in as thoroughly as you can. That's your one long-term protection that what you're doing is the right thing to do and that consumers will respond properly to it. And it does take a lot of time. I don't think you should give it to a research agency and tell them to come back with a report. Sit in the focus groups and sit with consumers. Talk to consumers in the street. Talk to them on the, on the underground or the subway or the tunnel barn or whatever it is. Um, find out as much as you can. And for me as an outsider, I'm not obviously not from the Nordics, but I spent a lot of time talking to consumers before we sat down and, and uh, wrote this brief, and it was an eye-opener. And by the way, the, the Scandinavian countries are very different. Sweden is very different from Denmark. They're both very different from Norway, and the three of them could not be more different from Finland if they were on a different planet. So it is important to make sure that you have that understanding and that you can build something which 
you know is going to work because you, you've done your homework first. Great. Well, on that note, um, I want to say thank you very much for coming in today and having a chat with us and uh, wish you all the best of luck with Fruit in the future. And uh, thank you very much, Brendan. Thanks, Jonathan.